Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Hear the word of God from Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version and can be found on page 860 in the Pew Bible. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Have you ever been asked to believe in something, trust in something that you didn't just exactly quite get or understand? And there's a little boy whose father was a minister and mother was a nurse. And every night at dinner, the mother said to him, did you wash the germs off your hands? And the father said, will you please thank Jesus for the food. One night, a little boy had had enough, and in exasperation, he said, all I ever hear about around here are germs and Jesus, and I can't see either one of them. <laughs> Today, on Easter Sunday morning, in the midst of our beautiful bonnets and bows and bunny ears, in the midst of the beautiful music and celebration of the resurrection, Today, on Easter Sunday morning, we are being invited to accept something, to believe in something, to give our lives over to something that, if we're honest, many of us struggle to understand or really get. If you have come to worship today with a little lingering doubt about the Christian message of the resurrection or the meaning of the empty tomb, if there's even a bit of skepticism in your heart, then I want to say to you, we are so glad you're here because you are not alone. 
Each of the gospel writers has a different way of explaining the good news of the resurrection. And today we are looking at Luke's reporting, which is really good because Luke, well, he doesn't tie everything together as neatly as some of the other gospel writers do. Luke's version of the Easter story is for the not quite totally convinced, the suspicious ones. The ones whose intellectual minds might throw up a barrier to belief instead of that easy acceptance of faith and understanding about it all. Frankly, doubts about the resurrection are not new. They didn't begin with the 18th century Enlightenment or the 20th century postmodernist. No, that passage that Sue read from Luke shows that people doubted the resurrection, not only unbelievers but even some of Christ's close followers at the beginning. And yet, and yet, love found a way to break through. Love found a way to get through to their stuck places. God's love found a way so that they could believe. And that love, it continues to find its way in the world today to you and continues to work through you to be shared with others. Will you pray with me? O holy and risen Lord, we come to church on this Easter morning as we have all our lives for many of us. We come today to hear news that is always new, news that stretches our imaginations, fires our hope and kindles our love. We thank you, God, for this morning. And we ask that you would startle us once again with your truth, that hearing we might believe, and believing, trust you with our very lives. Through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. So those women that were at the tomb, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who went to search for Jesus' body on that Easter morning, they were not immediately assured of the resurrection. I mean, they had gone to the tomb with the intention of preparing Jesus' body for proper burial, to wrap him in burial cloth after anointing him with oil and spices. Those are the things they were expecting to do. That is the normal order of things after someone dies. And they had seen Jesus die. They had stood at the very foot of the cross when they heard him say, My Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then they watched as he breathed his last. These women who had traveled with Jesus all the way from Galilee saw Jesus laid in the tomb just as the Sabbath was beginning. So they left to go prepare the spices to return when the Sabbath was over. And when they arrived on that first Easter morning, they found that the stone had been moved away from the tomb, much like the gaping hole of a wide-open mouth that is full of surprise. They went inside the tomb, but Christ's body was not there. They were perplexed. They were confused. They were bewildered. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. They were stuck in their expectations of what should have been there. 
They were unable to move forward. They had no way to turn. Their reasoning minds, perhaps like many of our minds, could not make sense of the mystery that was right in front of them. You know, we want proof, but sometimes it's mystery. It was like their mental capacity, their intellect was in conflict with their faith, their convictions, their beliefs. And then, as if out of nowhere, two men in dazzling clothes stood before them with light pouring over them. And the women were mesmerized, and they were unsettled, and they were frightened. No, our text says they were terrified. They were terrified, and they bowed down and worshipped in awe. But the men, these mysterious beings, these angels, they said, why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? Or exactly our verse read, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And then they said to the women, remember how he told you when you were with him back in Galilee that he would be handed over to sinners, killed on a cross, and in three days rise up? Three different times, Jesus had predicted his death and resurrection in Luke's gospel. But in that shocking moment of standing there in the empty tomb, listening to the words of these mysterious men, the women could not recall. But then, then, they remember his words. They remember what he had told them. They remember not only what he said, but they remember how he lived they remember how his love reached out to them and received all their wants and wounds, their joys and their fears. They remembered his mercy and his welcome. They remembered, and in that moment, their minds, their mental capacities, their remembrances became an avenue of faith and belief, not doubt. And so they left the tomb as witnesses, and they went to break the news to the eleven and to all the rest. I must admit, as a preacher, it is somewhat reassuring to realize that the very first sermon ever preached on Easter Sunday did not register very high on the Richter scale either. I mean, when the women went back to the men, after they left the cemetery and they went and told news of the empty tomb and that astonishing news that he is not here, he has risen, the apostles, they kind of dismiss it with a wave of the hand. I mean, you can take your pick on the way the translation reads. It seems that to them it was like an idle tale. It was like empty talk. It was like a silly story. It was like a foolish yarn it was like utter nonsense. It was like sheer humbug. All right, I'm not sure about that last one, but all the others, yes. <laughs> the point is, the men do not believe the words of the women. Did you hear that? <laughs> the men do not believe the words of the women. Oh, Lord, teach us. Teach us as human beings to trust another's truth. Teach us to care for women who are not believed when they tell their stories.
But on that first Easter morning, the male apostles, I'll cut them a little slack because they were wallowing in their grief. They knew how the world worked. They had just experienced the worst that the world had to offer. Their dreams had been destroyed. Jesus had been crucified, his life crushed, and their integrity and dignity taken away. Yes, they had seen their teacher and Lord die. And in that moment, nothing else mattered. But the female witnesses, they were simply explaining what Jesus had already told them. They were confirming the message that Jesus had already predicted. So what was the real thing? Were they in shock? Or were they too concerned about the opinion of the crowd gathering outside? Were they too afraid to show their uneasiness because they might be seen as weak or vulnerable or unsure? Or was it simply that their intellect became a barrier to their belief? This news, it just doesn't quite square with the common sense understanding of life and death. So what about for you? What does this message from the women mean for you? Is it an idle tale? Or is it something too good to be true? Is it all nonsense? Or maybe, do you have that little nudge of the Spirit in your life? That memory of a time when you experienced the holy and you thought, yeah, this is real. Maybe, maybe it's happening for you right now. Over the years, I have had my own bouts of doubt, and it can be scary and very unsettling. When it was at the worst for me, I made myself read the scriptures, and I made myself go to church. The folks sitting in the pews near me had no idea that I was harboring these feelings of uncertainty about the faith. But I was. And so I put myself in the presence of a community of believers. Yes, this small community of believers were totally unaware that they were holding me up when I was drowning, when I was struggling just to hold on. Hold on to my faith. And finally, there was a moment, a very vivid moment in my life where I realized that the story, God's story, had laid claim on me. And I began to see the power of God at work in my life and in the world. But during that season of doubt, it was very real and very scary. If you have doubt, I hope you will examine it, not run from it. Doubt is indeed a part of accepting the faith fully as your own. And so I ask you, is it nonsense? Or do you believe that Jesus is not dead, but is very much alive in the world today? There is a lot at stake with the answer to that question. Because if it is not true, then we have to acknowledge that we live in a world where love, even the amazing love of a man, of a man like Jesus, is sentimental and powerless. And we live in a world where there is no power that's stronger than sin, greed and hatred, violence and war and jealousy. Nothing stronger than sin that kills us 
If the story of the women is untrue, an idle tale, then there is no power that can break those bonds. And we have nothing to say to that refugee family stumbling across the border in Venezuela. And we have nothing to say to the father who just lost his daughter this morning in Sri Lanka. And we have nothing to say to the wife who is cowering in the corner to escape the blows of her husband. And we have nothing to say to the teenager who chooses to pick up a gun and avenge his family's death in Yemen. And we have nothing to say to the friend who stands next to the casket of his beloved. If it's just an idle tale, then there is no power that can lift us up out of the depths of hell and our faith is meaningless. Or as Paul would say later to the people at Corinth, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and we are of all people to be most pitied. But do not try to say it's an idle tale to my friend Dave. Dave is a retired engineer living in California. And about 20 years ago, he was about to retire, and he found himself a widower. Life was not going the way he had planned. He was not particularly active in his church, but he decided because he felt so lost, so rudderless, that he would give two years of mission service, and he would use his engineering skills and go someplace where he could help make clean water for poor people. And he was assigned to a place called Tajikistan. He had never heard of Tajikistan until he was assigned there, where he was going to go and live his faith out. The year was 2001, and Tajikistan is right next to Afghanistan. By October of 2001, just weeks after 9-11, the U.S. had invaded Afghanistan to go after al-Qaeda, and Dave's day-to-day -day mission work changed dramatically. He was no longer serving exactly as an engineer for clean water. He was helping to engineer the most uh, clear way to set up tents for refugees and to get food to those thousands of refugees that crossed the border into Tajikistan every day for the next two years. Upon Dave's re-entry to the United States, he said this to me. You know, before I went to Tajikistan, I didn't get it. I didn't understand the faith nor the meaning of Christ's love in this world. I didn't know the resurrected one until I met him and touched him every single day in those refugee camps. I didn't know him until his love found a way to me through them. For Dave, for the women at the tomb, and eventually for the apostles. For if you keep reading on in Luke, you realize that they have an experience of the risen Lord. For all of them, they become witnesses, and the faith is no longer an idle tale. For those who have been witness to the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, who know Christ is alive and active in the world, then there is no turning back.
so what about you? Is it just nonsense? The fact that you're here makes me think you're at least questioning or you have already fully embraced. Or is it something you can stake your life on? And friends, if you are not fully able to buy in, could you at least allow for the possibility that there are truths beyond those that we can objectively prove? Can you imagine that with God, things happen that otherwise would not have happened? Even a thing like raising Jesus from the dead. And if you can, if there can be a crack in your intellectual reasoning, then the miracle of Easter Sunday is not only that Christ himself was raised, but that we have been promised a share in that resurrected life as well. And we can bear witness to Christ's power and love in this world. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God, thank you for those women, and thank you for the apostles and for other witnesses for the faith through the years, for their examples have encouraged us. And we pray that we would receive a glimpse of the risen Lord today, today, and that that would encourage us to share the good news of your love, which reaches out across time and space in mysterious and wonderful ways to us. May it be so. Amen. So friends, as a response to the word and as a chance to share your prayer concerns with us, let us uh, receive our tithes, our offerings, and our gifts. <laughs>